Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Kara Hendricks, financial advisor with Edward Jones. If saving for retirement is something you always seem to be thinking about but not actually doing, talk to Kara. She specializes in high-quality, tailored investments for investors of all ages and all financial means. And she works to treat clients like she would want to be treated. To get started, call Kara Hendricks at 806-358-8346 today. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. This episode is also sponsored by SKP Creative. Are you having a hard time making social media work for your business? It can be more than a little tricky to figure this thing out on your own. So just talk to the team at SKP Creative. They develop data-driven communication strategies to help your business grow and thrive. Visit skpcreative.com today to learn more and schedule a free social media evaluation for your business. SKP Creative. Make it happen. Today's guest is Deanna Hurt. Deanna is the owner and entrepreneur behind The Ruffled Cup. Amarillo's first cupcake bakery and now a hugely popular full-service bakery and cafe. Deanna was born in Amarillo, but she grew up in Burke Burnett, Texas, before returning to this area for college at WT. She decided to stick around and raise her family here. And in this episode, we talk about how she created the Ruffled Cup from scratch, how she expanded it into the Lubbock market, and now how she's opening a brand new brunch restaurant concept called Butter Love Biscuits. This is the official Ruffled Cup origin story. Here's Deanna Hurt. Deanna Hurt, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, I definitely want to talk about the Ruffled Cup. I want to talk about your new endeavor uh, in addition to that. But before we get to all that stuff, I'd like to sort of hear your story and how you ended up here in the first place. So what brought you to Amarillo whenever long ago that was? Oh, gosh. Well, what brought me to Amarillo was West Texas A&M University. I grew up in Burke Burnett, Texas, and just decided that was where I wanted to go to college. My mom grew up in a small farm outside of Sunray, so she has a lot of family in this area, and it just looked like it was a perfect four hours away from home. So Came to WT, met my husband David here, um, and started planting roots from, and it's just all his history after that. <laughs> so, did I'm interested in coming to you coming to WT from Burke Burnett? Because if you wanted a small school, you could have stayed in that area, right? I mean, right. Midwestern or, or something like that. Yeah. Why sure. did you decide on WT? It was about the size of MSU, but it was away from home. I was ready to. So you wanted to see get new like, places, put a little distance between. Oh yourself yes, and home. yes. But I, like I said, you know, lots of family here, so it wasn't like I was completely abandoning my family. My mom is up here all the time. Came to Amarillo. I was actually born in Amarillo, so okay. I was born here, just not raised here, and just have family in every little town around Groom and Canyon, and and it was she. Had, my mom had four brothers and four sisters, so there was just a plethora of family up here still. So, so it allowed you to get. Some distance, but still, you were surrounded by family. It exactly. wasn't too isolating, right? Did you did you intend to stick around in this area after graduation? Was that part of the plan, or were you open to whatever? I was open to anything. You know, um, I think meeting my husband my junior year of college was probably not something I'd planned. But you know, we got married young. I had a baby young, and his entire family lived here, and eventually, my family moved up here. So I, I don't think I ever intended on it, but it just feels like it, the story was meant to happen, you know? What was your plan career-wise? Like, what did you see yourself doing 
when you went to college, when you kind of started that part of your life? Well, I came to college a marketing and business major. I left college with a teaching degree. So, you know, being pregnant while you're in college changes everything. It's fairly different college experience. It is. It is. I was 21 when I had Gracie. I was young, 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 young. But I did. I just wanted to spend my summers at home with my daughter, you know, and wrapping your head around, you know, your business and your career and things like that. I, I just thought teaching was the route I wanted to go. And ironically, I never even taught. I did teach preschool at Paramount Baptist for a little bit, but I've never even used my teaching degree. I, I should have stuck with that original idea with that business. So, But you had you had a little bit of that marketing, oh, yes. small business training, oh, yes. all that stuff. I changed my major two years into it. So I did have several business classes under my belt. So. Okay. But before we go too much further, I'd, I'd like to know sort of what your perspective was on Amarillo. As someone who had been to this area, but you didn't grow up here, you had family in some of the small towns, but I mean, and and you went to college in Canyon. Did did you have an opinion on Amarillo at that point? Uh, You know, I thought Amarillo was great. You know, I grew up in a a small town outside of Wichita Falls. And so Amarillo was bigger and had more shopping and more restaurants. And it just seemed like, um, you know, a new adventure, uh, for sure. The people are very different here. I found like the people are a lot friendlier. Even than, than someplace like Wichita, Wichita Falls, Falls, which yeah. seems fairly comparable to Amarillo. It's not it quite the same size. Way. But. It seems that way. I mean, there is an Air Force base nearby, so you get a very eclectic group of people there. But I just, Amarillo was just the people at, in Canyon too, like the West Texas A&M um, people that I've met. It's just an amazing, I just feel like they just kind of wrapped their arms around me and embraced it, embraced me. And, and I just, I can't think of living anywhere else. I really can't. <laughs> so it, once, once you guys got married, started having kids, like this was the place. You oh, didn't definitely. really look at other options. Or we didn't, anything. we, we moved to Lubbock for a short nine months. We lived there. So my husband could basically advance his career. I had just had a baby, my third child. So that was kind of a whirlwind of an experience. And he got another job right back in Amarillo, and it didn't take us a second to say we want to move back because we missed we missed family and we missed our home. Is it kind of a, a relief to come back here? I mean, oh, yeah. After just a few months? Oh, yes. Especially when you have a newborn. Yeah, absolutely. I needed all the help I could get. I had three kids, five ages five and under. So it was a tough time. <laughs> so obviously, you were busy with that for yes. several years. Tell me about when you started thinking about the ruffled cup, you know, when that idea for business sort of began to germinate. Right. You know, I think once my youngest turned three, I knew that I wanted to go back into an actual career. I wanted to do something. My dad was an entrepreneur growing up and he owned his own business for years. And I just always thought that would be so cool to be my own boss. You know, I just could not figure out exactly what that was going to be. Just kind of thinking about that and and thinking about what I really wanted to do, I was watching TV one day and this ad came on TV for um, is DC Cupcakes is what it was called. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I hadn't even seen the show yet. They were just advertising for it. And I thought, a cupcakes only bakery. How unique. So of course, and that I was decided, like how many years ago? What? That was 10, a long, 12, that was I mean, at that least, was that was at least 10 or 11 years ago. Okay. And just started thinking, you know, that's just kind of crazy. How could a business that just sold cupcakes work? And so I started doing research, you know, I get on the internet and started looking up and, and I had found that there were over 500 across the United States from what I could count cupcake only bakeries all across the United States in many towns smaller than Amarillo. 
So I thought, why does Amarillo not have one of these places? And then I thought, that's it. That's my next big idea. That's going to be, I'm an excellent baker. I've always loved baking, love sweets. I'm the biggest sweets eater you will ever meet. And I thought, well, Amarillo doesn't have this. And I know that it's kind of a trendy thing going on. You know, Sprinkles had just started opening a few locations. And I knew I wanted to be the first one to do it in Amarillo. And I knew, like, I had absolutely no fear. I knew it was going to be a success. Knew it. That's one of those unique things about Amarillo is we tend to be a few years behind some of the trends. Absolutely. And if you want to be the first one to do a thing, in a city, this is a good place to be that it first is. one. It is. You're right. You are so right about that. And and I think cupcakes became really popular in, in one of the TV shows. She eats a cupcake from Magnolia Bakery. And that's really when it set set everything off, you know. Um, but they started popping up everywhere, big cities, small cities. And I just couldn't believe we didn't have one yet. It blew my mind. But when I realized I was going to do it and this TV show was coming out, I was like, we got to move fast because somebody else is going to do it if I don't. Okay, tell me about the timeline. Like, what year was that that you decided, okay, um, yeah, I'm going to do this? That was in 2010. 10, yeah, okay. 2010. It was in the spring. I remember I was doing um, Grease the Musical <laughs> when when that idea came. And then With over the summer, mm-hmm, Amber Little Theater, and then the summer came and left. And then I did South Pacific that fall, and I was getting ready to start it right after South Pacific was over was when, you know, the Ruffle Cup, we started the LLC in November, so. Okay, so there's a big difference between being a good baker and making cupcakes at home. Right. And like selling them retail and having a commercial kitchen and all that stuff. So how did you sort of figure out that process and gear up and create the space, all of that? Oh, man, it's such a whirlwind. I don't even know if I can remember that. (laughs) Um, I think I didn't know what I was doing. But I had so much help from, I mean, I was determined. I started baking, you know, I started from the ground up. I started baking cupcakes left and right. My first ones, I wish I would have brought a picture for you to see. They're hilarious. The first ones I made were laughable. But, you know, just knowing, I I based my model off of what other people were doing. I mean, I'm a big copycat. (laughs) Well, sure. But um, did you travel to like other cupcakes? I did. I did. Our first one we went to was called Cupcakes. It's, it's spelled with a K, and it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We were going on a fishing vacation, so we stopped there and ate there, and I'll never forget it. They were the best cupcakes I think I've ever had. And I was instantly intrigued. They were so delicious, and we had so much fun trying all these different flavors. And I was going to make mine similar to what they were doing, but make it really cute inside and make it an experience for people to walk in. So mine was going to be different than other people's because I knew what colors I wanted to use. You know, it was Tiffany blue and black and white. And I knew what I wanted it to look like because I knew what I wanted it to feel like for my customers. So my vision for the shop came alive. Just, you know, my, my husband and my dad did all the work on the inside. You know, we didn't hire contractors. I started that business with my mom and dad. So, graciously gave me $25,000. They thought I was crazy. They thought I was crazy. My dad even said, I can't believe anybody's going to pay $2.25, which is the first price of our cupcakes for a single cupcake. Someone's going to pay that much. I'm like, dad, they're going to do it. I promise it's going to happen. And I had my parents paid back in six months. Wow. So yeah. Tell Tell me how you went about the process of introducing your shop to Amarillo, knowing that Number one, there was not a cupcake-only 
restaurant or you know bakery here and you're going to have to for some people get over that hurdle of two dollars or 25 cents for a cupcake right. you know which doesn't seem like a big deal now but right. 10 years ago might have been it was it and was. you were just starting over I mean, you didn't have a reputation as a bakery or right. anything like that beforehand well i think the only thing i can explain is the people here in the community here David and I were very involved at Paramount Baptist Church. I owe a lot of my success to their support because word just spread, you know, being involved in a church community. And they wanted to see me succeed. You know, we were very, very involved there. And that on top of my husband, David, was born and raised here. He knows everybody. We can't go anywhere without him stopping and knowing someone on the street. I I used to laugh when we used to go to the mall. We don't go anymore, but we couldn't get out of there in like three hours because he would stop and talk to every person he knew. So I didn't know as many people because, of course, I wasn't born and raised here. I was born, but not raised. But it's the community here is being involved in Amarillo Little Theater. You know, all of them, of course, were so supportive and still are, you know, and the Paramount Baptist people are as well. So those little um, community dig-ins that I'd already had, they just wanted to see the the shop succeed. So I owe it to the community. It's not anything that I've done. So, And you were really good at social media from the very beginning because you, I mean, you started out with a Facebook presence and that was pretty much it, right? I mean, it was maybe before Instagram. Yeah. You know, I tell a lot of people that Facebook built my business because it did. I mean, obviously the community is Facebook and Facebook is a community, but I think the sense of urgency to get a cupcake before it sells out really made and and posting my flavors every day like ooh what are they going to have today you know and you know we have over 200 flavors of cupcakes now cuz i kept making new cupcakes to bring people in but and giving things away on facebook um just making sure that you're responding to people's questions and keeping them plugged in and them watching your the success of your store just kind of come alive on on a facebook page is crazy but the community really took to facebook i i don't know why or how it happened, but it did. <laughs> well, and cupcakes photograph well. And this was they before, do. you know, people joking about taking an Instagram photo of your lunch or anything like that. But you had a product that by itself was cute mm-hmm. and colorful and, and that people would like to look at. I mean, cupcakes look appetizing almost all the time. They do. They do. And I mean, food just, I mean, everybody eats, you know, so it's it's an easy thing to sell when it's pretty and it, it tastes good. And we all like to celebrate with food and indulge every now and then. So I think it was just an easy concept for people to cling on to. I, I want to ask about, you mentioned the flavors um, at your shop. And one of the things I've noticed in some of the small cupcake types of bakeries I've been to, they don't offer dozens and dozens of flavors. You know, maybe right. they'll have 12 or 15 a day or something like that. And then I, I see your menu, you know, which has so many different cupcake flavors that you've created. Not all available at the same time, but it's a long list. So tell me sort of how you think about how many options to give someone who comes into your, into your shop. Right. Well, we do it on purpose because it makes it really hard for people to choose. Okay. So they so, end up leaving with more. Um, so that's a, it's, it's not a decision to avoid that paralysis of choice. You actually want to create that in a way. Yeah, because- we do. We wanted to make it hard on people. Um, we also, everybody has their favorite, you know. Um, I think the beauty of having cupcakes over a cake any day is that everybody has different you know, favorites. I mean, you might be a lemon person and somebody else might love chocolate, you know, so you can get that collection and make everybody happy at whatever gathering you're having. But we do, we make it hard. You should see our inventory. It's crazy. 
It is a cra- there's a reason why people don't do what I do. Right. It's hard. <laughs> How many flavors? Uh, I think, you know, we've eliminated a few because they're ones that didn't really work. Like I think we made our worst cupcake was a cucumber lime one. It was disgusting. I don't even, we did make a pickle one the other day, but I don't think we'll be doing that one again, but we made a cucumber lime one and tried to make it work and it just didn't work, you know, but I think that if I had to add up every cupcake flavor we've ever had, probably over 220, 230 cupcake flavors, we only have about 170 to 180 available throughout the year now. Okay. There's some we've just nixed, gotten rid of. Pops Peaches was one. It's a chocolate and peach cupcake. It was gross. <laughs> <laughs> so you you mentioned how strange it was, at, at least to your mind, the idea of a cupcake-only bakery and having to get over that hurdle. But like now you don't have a cupcake-only bakery. You've actually expanded to include other products and right. things like that. Tell me about how your business has grown and some of the decisions that you made there. I have a serious problem where I'm always looking for another project. <laughs> If it's not opening a second location, it's I want to expand, I want to remodel, I want to start serving this instead of that. We got to a point where we had outgrown our space. So I really wanted to start serving ice cream that we made in-house. And I thought, you know, it just... It will help our slower summer months because people love ice cream in the in the summer. And I was just intrigued. I wanted to make it. I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, we can pair ice cream with cupcakes. We can make cake shakes. We can have lots of different fun flavors. I've already got all the inventory for it. Why not? So looking at our space, we we outgrew it. And this is the original location. The original location. And Coulter. Um, well, no, the original location, I guess I'm talking about the one that's at 34th and Bell now. Now, the 34th and Coulter location, no, we outgrew that in two years. Okay. Um, after my third Valentine's Day there, because we opened on February 4th, after my third Valentine's Day there, I said, I will not do another Valentine's Day in this store. We had boxes piled to the ceiling in the back, in the front. We had lines out the door. I mean, it became an issue because we were selling out every day and we couldn't make more because there was no space to do it. Right. So unless we were baking 24-7, we had to move. And I wanted I wanted a bigger space. I, actually, we, we started serving candy, which we don't do that anymore. But there, I just I had a bigger vision for what the Ruffle Cup could do in 1,200 square feet. So that's when we moved to the 34th and Bell, which was 3,600 square feet. So we tripled our size. Okay. And yeah. then how long were you in that location before you started thinking bigger than that? Well, we were there for four years. So after the fifth year, you know, we started actually doing the remodel in the new space around the corner about into our fourth year of that building. So, you know, I knew I had to do the ice cream thing and I knew that I really wanted to start doing lunches and because people were coming in by the drove saying, Oh, y'all don't do lunch here. We're like, no, we're just a bakery. We don't do lunch here. And don't give me any ideas because I might just do it. So I did, I did actually do it. It was, it's crazy, but I promise I'm done. (laughs) And you also expanded into the Lubbock market. Yes. Tell me yes. about that decision. Gosh, I had been open in Amarillo for five, five and a half years when I decided uh, that we needed to open in Lubbock. A lot of customers coming in from Lubbock, Texas, saying, we want you to come to Lubbock. We need you here. We, we don't have anything like it yeah, here. Was, was there a cupcake place in there, Lubbock? There were. And I think that they're still in business. And it's one of those places where you just walk in and walk out, like nowhere to sit. Um I can't remember the name of it. There's another place now 
that's called, that's more of a cake. They actually focus more on cakes, but they do serve cupcakes, but neither one of them do to the magnitude of what the ruffle cup does with all of our flavors with the cute store, you know, the Tiffany blue walls and the chairs and the tables where you can have a, a girlfriend, you know, little lunch date or whatever. So, um, but yeah, nobody, nobody had opened one quite like ours. So we just decided to take the plunge and it's still going strong. It'll be, we'll have been open, three years in July there. Okay. So I want to ask you about the logistics of owning, operating a store in Amarillo. Right. A thriving store, a very busy store, opening one in Lubbock, you know, wanting to make sure that the quality of that one is as good right. as the quality here. How much of a pull on your time? I mean, how did you divide all of that? Oh, I've just been so blessed because I have people working for me in Lubbock that I've really tried to sell them the vision of the ruffled cup, you know, it's just, you have to have people that work for you that believe in you and believe in what you're, what you're doing. And thank goodness I do, especially my manager there. I'll tell her her name is B and she's amazing. And she just really seeks to please. And she does it Deanna and the ruffle cups way, you know, and she wouldn't settle for anything less. I really lucked out. She was, had worked for five years at a cupcake bakery in California. Okay. So she had experience. A lot of experience. I mean, she has worked with me from day one too, and she's still there. So she knows what she's doing. She's got a culinary degree. This is what she wants to do for the rest of her life. So I just make sure that I treat her really nicely. (laughs) Uh, how how often do you have to go visit down there? I mean, is is that something that you try to do on a regular basis just for quality control or to be present and yes, with the employees? I, I'm in Lubbock usually at least twice a month. Okay. Sometimes more if it's like a holiday, you know, Valentine's Day, I try to go down. But I, I'm telling you, I've just been so lucky. I send friends in. I've got friends and family that live in them. Like, just go make sure, you know, everything looks okay. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes their stuff looks better than the stuff here in Amarillo. <laughs> so they're just, they're they're people pleasers there and they really want to do it right. And it, I've been super blessed. I don't know what I'll ever do without B being there. So when you create a, a business like this, I know that the culture of it is really important, that it's going to reflect your personality, right. that you've got a specific type of customer service or a feel for the inside of the shop, all of that. How do you replicate that in a new place, a different city, a different group of customers who don't already know you? I mean, how do you make that work? You know, lots and lots and lots of employee meetings you know, you sitting down and just talking with them, even on just a personal basis, you know, getting to know them personally. So that way they get to know you and they get to know exactly what my morals and, and my expectations are, what I expect out of myself and, and, you know, working alongside them and not dictating over them. I tell them all the time, like, they're like, put that mop down or you don't have to make the, the frosting. We'll do that. And I'm like, This is me digging in with my troops, you know, so they really buy into you as a business owner when you're digging in with your troops. And I can't do it all the time, but I always try to do it. In fact, the day before Valentine's Day, I rolled about, I don't know, 14 or 15 trays of cookies for them. It's a demeaning task that nobody really loves to do because it's so monotonous. And I actually really love work like that. And they're like, well, thank you so much for doing those trays for us. We know that, you know, you're super busy doing other stuff. And I'm like, no, this is fun for me. This is reminds me of how I started. So digging in with your troops and just, you know, talking to them about their personal lives, acting interested in them because you are, because I am, I care about them a lot and being able to just laugh with them in the back and, and helping them with the customer service in the front and setting an example, you know, waiting on the customers for them. There's lots of different ways, but I, I don't know how it's happened, but it's just, 
they've taken ownership and leadership in all the places they should have. How are the two markets different? I mean, you've got the same products, the same shop, same culture. Do you get a feel that the customers in Lubbock have a little bit different perspective than in Amarillo, or do they feel like just kind of two mirrors of the same um, thing? You know, I think Lubbock is a very different market. It is very, very centered around a university, obviously. So we have to be careful about all that. You know, we have to know when the Texas Tech games are, and we have to know when we need to plug into all of that. Um, because that could either like result in a lot of business when a game lets out or no business at all because right. everybody's at home watching the game. Well, and or, when they lose, you know, everybody. Nobody wants a cupcake. Nobody after wants a, loss. a cupcake. We do the football games, especially. I think now that you know tech has made it in the final four, we got to be aware of that, which is super exciting. And Lubbock people, I mean, I lived in Lubbock for nine months, so I don't, I didn't get to know everybody on a, on a real personal level, but. Lubbock, they tend to be okay with spending a little more than Amarillo. Amarillo, you know, they've just always been so supportive of of small business. And, and Lubbock, since I'm not living there, they're going for the stuff, you know, like they're going there for the goods. And so both of them feel really good. You know, it's great to see. But Lubbock market is just, just a little bit different. Okay, so tell me what's happening right now. I know the Ruffled Cup has expanded to include, you know, lunch and a more diverse menu. You've also got some other stuff that's happening. Yeah, I mean, Ruffle Cup is serving lunch now, and it's delicious. I just ate a new sandwich creation of my sister's. I don't even remember what was in it. But we serve ice cream. I mean, it's just crazy. It's busy from the time we open our doors till 9 o'clock at night. I mean, some of the weeknights are kind of slower, but it's just a crazy, bustling place if you'll go in. Lubbock is a lot slower, you know, as far as the bustling busyness, but who knows if we'll expand there. But I mean, so you don't currently offer lunch. We don't offer lunch in in Lubbock right now. That there's a little space open next to us, so it's definitely in the works. But we got to get this figured out in Amarillo first. (laughs) Um, But our big project right now is obviously Better Love Biscuits, and that is I just didn't want to give up that space. You know, um, my old Ruffle Cup space that is was going to be vacant. A lot of people were showing interest in it, and I'm like, wait a minute now that's my space, you know? So I'm like, what could I do? You know? So it ended up being a biscuit place. I just kind of sat down and really did some brainstorming. Like what does Amarillo not have? What does it need? Cause I didn't want to do anything anybody else was doing. All right. So tell me, tell me about that hole in the market that you saw. Was it a brunch place? Was it a new kind of breakfast place? Was it like, you know, you, you did a cupcakes only shop. Now it's a biscuits only shop. I and mean, is that what you were looking for? Right. I, I really kind of thought, what is Amarillo? I, I think Amarillo needs more breakfast places, obviously, okay. as far as like a counter service place. We have a lot of fast food that serves breakfast, obviously. A bagel place is great, donut stop, whatever. But I was thinking more along the lines of something a little more that had a little more to offer as far as uh, brunch goes. So we just kind of started thinking about biscuits. I obviously know baking. Baking is something I'm very comfortable with. And I thought, you know, so many people before they go to church or, you know, if they're going to a meeting, they grab a dozen donuts and or bagels. But nowhere in town, like when you say biscuit, people are like biscuits, like their eyes just light up, you know. So I thought that's it. I'm going to offer a bunch of different flavors of biscuits. Exactly what I do with cupcakes, just with biscuits instead. And, you know, surely it can't fail. (laughs) Is that something that you've seen become a trend in other markets? I mean, are there biscuit shops? There are definitely biscuit. I wouldn't call them a shop. There are biscuit brunch places everywhere that serve the piled, you know, the mile high 
biscuit sandwiches with fried chicken and pulled pork and, you know, a sausage egg biscuit. There are not, from what I've been able to find so far, there is not a place where you can go and buy a dozen different flavors of biscuits. Okay. So you're so, ahead of the curve, the trends uh, l- on that Listen, one. there's probably a reason they don't do it. It's because it's hard. <laughs> but we'll figure it out. There'll be different. Um, we'll have savory and sweet. So, um, you know, biscuits that are sweet will have a little bit of glaze on top and things like that. And I can get just as creative with a biscuit as I can a cupcake. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Tell me how you go about, I, I know that that restaurant concept is not yet open, that it's, you know, still in the future coming soon, I guess. How will you go through the process of marketing that and introducing this new thing to Amarillo? Will you follow the same steps that you did with Ruffled Cup? Or do you feel like you've got like a little more to build on at this point? Oh, gosh, I will definitely follow Ruffled Cup. I will definitely have a new biscuit flavor coming out every other day, just entice people to come in or a bis- different biscuit sandwich. I will use the Ruffled Cup to promote Butter Love. I'm not above that. <laughs> just tell your customers, <laughs> go down next door, exactly. turn the corner. And- exactly. Giveaways, giveaways, build your customer base faster than anything else you can do. Give one thing away for free. Ask people to share. And I'm going to lean on the community. I mean, there's a lot of people excited about this place. I'm going to lean on them. I'm going to say, listen, if you had a good experience here, tell 10 people that you know. And they'll be like, oh, we will. We will. They'll tell you. And they do. If good word of mouth could just spread, we wouldn't even have to do any advertising because Amarillo is just so good about supporting small business. Does it feel like as much of a risk now starting this second concept now that you've succeeded with the Ruffled Cup, or do you feel the same way you did 10 years oh, ago? Oh, gosh. Bus- starting a business is just scary. There's no getting around it. Like um, the risk doesn't feel really any different for you, or do you um, feel like, well, you know, I've been feel, on the other side. It feels a little it. different because I feel like pe- I've gained trust from people. You know, when I was first opening the Ruffled Cup, I didn't have anybody's trust yet. You know, they had to wait and see if they were going to like my cupcakes or if I was going to have good customer service, you know, because Amarillo is pretty harsh on new businesses, especially restaurants. I think like they're, you better make it right. Like they get excited for it. They do. But then you've got to do it right. That that first impression has to be earned. You have to do it right. And there's a certain level of perfectionism that lives inside of me that I would rather die than not be, not it be perfect before I open it. But I mean, it's stressful. It's really stressful because you hope that you're smart enough and and your product is going to sell itself. I mean, the biscuits have to be perfect. You know, people are dreaming about these biscuits already and they haven't even hit the shelves yet. So do you think back to, say, when you were in college trying to figure out what you wanted to do? Would this surprise you what you're doing now? Absolutely. Okay, so this is not like where you saw yourself in your dreams or anything. No, I thought I was going to be a big advertising marketing guru, you know, in New York or L.A. somewhere doing making commercials. (laughs) That, That would have been my dream job anyway. I was totally happy being a teacher. That would have been perfectly fine with me. But this is, I would have never guessed a bakery owner. Maybe a business owner, but never a bakery owner. So... Very strange. <laughs> You've come a long way from being a mom with three kids under five, you know, which is its own kind of chaos. Now you're juggling multiple businesses, multiple locations. I mean, do you feel like you've come a long way from what you were back then, or does it just feel like you're applying the same skills in different directions? Um, you know, it, it, it kind of goes back and forth. When everything is under control and everybody seems pretty happy, everything 
feels good. And I'm like, I look how far I've come. And then there's some days when you get a notice from one of your managers, they're quitting on you. And then you've got, you know, some other issues with other employees. And then you're worrying about contractors and, and, you know, you're having issues with something breaking or your inventory not coming in. And you just wonder, what am I doing all this for? You know, it's so hard, but the good days definitely outweigh the bad. And you just have to, sometimes you just have to take it day by day. <laughs> you, you've mentioned the, you know, some of the unique differences between Amarillo and Lubbock and the ways that this community has just rallied around you. Had you stayed in Lubbock, do you think you might've gone down this path eventually? Or even if you stayed in Burt Burnett or Wichita Falls or someplace like that? I mean, is, is there something about living here that you think kind of spurred everything that happened? You know, I don't know. I don't know the Lubbock market. I don't think well enough. I know a lot of my employees there. One of the things we struggle with in Lubbock is just finding people to show up for an interview. It's just hmm. so odd to me. With all the college students. I'm talking can... dozens and dozens and dozens of people that we have set interviews up with that do not show. Wow. And Amarillo, like, I've never had an issue with anyone showing up for a job interview. So, I mean, that it's just strange. It's just a different market I'm not used to. I think that Amarillo, community-wise, you know, has just, it just blew me away. You know, so I can't really say that for Lubbock. I know there's a lot of people that love the Ruffled Cup in Lubbock, and we have a lot of strong fans there. But I, I couldn't, I just couldn't say. Hey, so it's Jason, and if you listen to podcasts regularly, you probably have heard about a podcast live show. It's when a podcast is recorded in front of an audience of live people and not like tucked away in some booth somewhere with microphones. So it gives you that live element, that fun, dynamic element of crowd participation and you know the feedback that you get from seeing people's faces and all those things. Live shows are a lot of fun, and that's why podcasts do them. And I want to make sure you know that this podcast is doing its very first live show Friday, May 10th, and that's going to be the first time we ever do this. It takes place at Arts in the Sunset at Sunset Center as part of the opening night of Arts Fest which is a weekend-long arts, music, film, and literature festival, first of its kind here in Amarillo. So tickets for my event to kick off this Arts Fest weekend, the live show, are $10. And if you come, you'll get to see me interview a special mystery guest. You'll get to interact with me, with former guests, with people who sponsor the podcast. The entire podcast community will be there. There will be a Q&A. We'll have a special chance for you to be involved in a panel of people answering eight straight questions. All that stuff's going to happen. So go grab your ticket. You can get it at, at heyamarillo.com or on the Facebook page. Man, I'd love to see you come out to this very first live show for the Hey Amarillo podcast. Okay, I'm back with Deanna Hurt of the Ruffled Cup and Butter Love Biscuits coming soon. Deanna, this part of the show is what I call eight straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions. Your job as my guest is to answer those. And the first one is one that I have not asked any of my guests. Um, so <laughs> which cupcake flavor of the ones that you make is your favorite? Okay, I'm a simple girl. My favorite flavor is wedding cake. Just right. almond cake, almond buttercream. I'm addicted to almond extract, so that's it. So no fancy flavor combinations or no, anything like that. I'm simple. You're not going to die on that cucumber lemon No, that... no. Okay. Nope, not me. What's your best seller? <laughs> Probably the wedding cake. Really? Yeah, that and a toss-up between that and the Maryland. The Maryland's an almond cake with raspberry filling, cream cheese frosting. Okay, and those are on the menu all the time. Every so day? you can go in anytime and get yep, that. Yep, they can. Okay, when was the last time you visited Paladuro Canyon? 
Oh, gosh. I think this was probably about, it was probably last spring. I went on a hike with my family. Okay. So not too, not too long not ago. Not too long it's ago. recent. I mean, there was one day we were going to go, but it, I think it was too cold or windy or something recently that we had planned to go that we didn't end up going. But I love it down there. Is, it, is that a place that you try to go on a regular basis? Or do you always feel like uh, we, should, we should go? It's been it's too long. It's kind of a special event okay. for our family. You know, we're not as active as we probably should be. But we love just to go on and we find a new trail to hike on that we haven't done before. So, um, But yeah, now that Colby's a teenager, we need to go back. What does this area have too much of? Too much wind. Way too much wind. If I could change one thing about Amarillo, let's get rid of that wind, people. I know it's providing wind for those turbines or whatever, but listen, it's a bad hair day every day that there's wind. So now you've got you've got a little more experience in Lubbock. Do people in Lubbock complain about the wind like we do here I don't in Amarillo? I think so. I don't think that they do. I think they, they complain about the dirt, which is actually um, a production of the wind, so they need to complain about the wind more. But you know, not as much as Amarillo. I think Amarillo is windier. I, I think I think that's true. What does this area not have enough of? We don't have enough rooftop bars. I okay. love sitting on top. And now that there six six car six car and crush and crush each have one. Right. I'm hoping with the downtown development that even more pop up because I love a good rooftop bar. It's just fun to sit outside and eat. So do you feel like, like, does it need to be downtown or can you have a rooftop bar like anywhere you know, out, out on the outskirts anywhere? Or I would have loved to have made better love a rooftop bar. We looked at it, but it was just going to be too expensive. Maybe that's my next big project. I'll open a rooftop bar in town so people don't have to travel downtown to get there. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll hold you to that because <laughs> okay. I agree with it. So. Uh-huh. What's your favorite local coffee shop? Oh, listen, I love me some palace coffee, but I also love roasters. I don't, I don't think I could pick between the two kind of depends on what mood I'm in because their coffee to me is very different. It is very different. So, you know, if I want something a little more robust and like chocolatey, you know, more, I guess, I don't even know how it is more, more roasted. I would go with roasters. If I wanted something a little more earthy, I'd probably go for palace. Okay. So it's primarily how you feel, what you want. Exactly. And which, which one's closer to me at any given time. Okay. (laughs) Coffee is a necessity. So Okay, so how do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? You just returned from a social media conference I know that you went to. When you talk about, well, I own this cupcake shop in Amarillo, Texas, and they say, where is that? What is that? What do you tell them? I usually explain Amarillo as one of the biggest small towns you'll ever live in. I think it's because people are so connected, and it's so funny for 200,000 people how connected we are. It's kind of strange. You know, it's wonderful. Um, So that's how I describe it, the biggest small town you'll ever live in. As far as descriptions go, I, you know, I describe it as a rural, you know, we we have a lot of rural communities around us, but we're still a very urban, thriving city that, you know, loves good food and loves good shopping and you know, still loves one another too, believe it or not. So that's kind of how I describe it. Okay. You mentioned the lack of good breakfast places in Amarillo. So that's why you're opening, you know, your biscuit place. But right now, apart from what that's going to be, what do you feel like is the best place to go for breakfast? I love Yield Pancake Station. Okay. Uh, Their omelets are to die for. And we won't be serving any omelets at Better Love, so I'll still be going. (laughs) Right. I love their huge omelets. Um, and of course, their pancakes are delicious as well. World's best pancakes. World's best. They tell us. World's best. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? Oh, gosh. I think probably Polk Street. 
And I just love walking down, especially with the, the Jazz Esquire Club. And I feel like it's a street that's going to be up and coming, like there's going to be more going on. I hope more shops open downtown. I just, I'm kind of a city girl, so I love to go to New York and things like that. So walking down that street kind of reminds me of just being in the city and walking down, having some good restaurants, maybe some good drinks, and listening to some jazz. It's a cool street. I like it. Okay, cool. Uh, Deanna, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing that you would want listeners to know about or to experience in this area? You know, I'm going to say the Amarillo Little Theater Academy. Okay. Uh, And we have not talked... With you about ALT, I mean, that's that's a fairly big part of your life outside Bacon. I mean, you've performed, you've had lead roles in some of the productions right. and musicals and stuff. So. Right, right. It's definitely, um, I wasn't involved in theater at all, didn't even know anything about theater um, until a church group brought me to Steel Magnolias. It was 10 years ago, wow, I suppose. Wow, okay. So, um, and you thought, I can do that? And I thought, I want to do that. That looks fun. So... But yeah, I mean, my daughter, Gracie, she's 19 now, started ALT camp when she was six years old. And I feel like this day and age, like our kids are so connected to each other through text messaging and and everything is so technological now that being on stage with that technology put away, um, just creating another character, being creative, you know, plugging into other people on stage um, with that connection with other people is so important for kids nowadays, being able to speak in front of people, being able to, you know, and it's not, it doesn't discriminate. Theater doesn't discriminate against your size, your age. Like you can be young, old, small, short, tall, whatever. There's probably going to be a place for you. So I love that aspect of theater. My son right now is playing Drake and Honk the Musical. So he's 15 and I would have never thought that I wouldn't have had an athlete in my family because me and David, we were so athletic growing up, you know, played all kinds of sports and things. But my kids are all theater kids. They love choir. They love music. They love acting. And I really attribute that to Amarillo Little Theater Academy and the leadership there under Jason Crispine and just making them feel like they belong. And it's, it's just a big family group and it's a huge family. So I encourage anybody whose kid, you know, doesn't really have an interest in an activity, or even if they are really interested in a lot of things, put them in theater because they're going to learn how to interact with other human beings and, and connect with other human beings on levels that you can't in anything else. Deanna Hurt, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Kara Hendricks of Edward Jones and to SKP Creative for the sponsorship of this show. And thanks especially to Deanna Hurt for the interview. No, she did not bring cupcakes to our recording, which I had to admit was a major disappointment. This show is produced, written, and hosted by me, but it's edited every week by Angelina Medina. Executive producers of Hey Amarillo include Katie Linger, Neil Nossiman, Ryan Pennington, Wes Reeves, Criselda, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Jennifer Callahan, Corey Burns, Daniel Davis, and Wilson Lemieux. You can help keep this show free every week by supporting it through my Patreon community, patreon.com slash heyamorello. And go grab your live show tickets. Go to the Hey Amarillo Facebook page or check out heyamorello.com. Thank you for listening. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.